New Year, everyone, as we welcome you into a fresh edition of the Blackhawks podcast. Edition 100, ladies and gentlemen, as we break in the 2019 year and uh, we sit high above the rink at Notre Dame Stadium following the Blackhawks 4-2 winter classic loss to the Boston Bruins. I'm Chris Bowden, your Blackhawks pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio. Along with a Chelsea blogger, Scott King, he has been here through all 100 podcasts, which we'll circle around to uh, eventually here in the podcast. But first of all, how was the drive down with one with one John Dietz of uh, the Herald? Were, were there sing-alongs? Were you mooing at cows? Anything like that? Oh, well, interesting you should ask. Um, I'm sick, and I've been sick for uh, over two weeks. So I have to go to the doctor, I believe. And so um, I couldn't. Maybe it's because I had two and a half glasses of champagne. I haven't drank in a while. I'm overtired. I, uh, I get anxiety when I know I have to go to sleep and wake up early and travel. So I don't sleep. So anyways, John Dietz is like, I'll be at your house at 6.30. Uh, set my alarm so at 6, 6.01, 6.02. I'm up, ready. Uh, at 6.36, I get a text, be there in 20. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. So I have a little food. I have a, have a, a coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, hit a lot of caffeine today. So that's, that's, uh, that, that's what coming in with Dietz was like. No, that's great. We, had, uh, we talked about some hockey. Had a nice drive in. Made it an hour and a half from uh, nice. Southwest Burbs to South Bend. So... Pretty good. Which isn't too bad, uh, considering uh, in South Bend on, on Monday, i got to get my days straight. It's always weird during the holidays. Uh, an inch and a half of rain fell in South Bend to, can- uh, to cancel the practice. And uh, I think a lot of the players were really disappointed in that because that's really a fun day ahead of the Winter Classic. And the Blackhawks certainly know all about them. This is their, this is their fifth one, their, uh, their sixth overall outdoor game. But... Curious, I've had the opportunity to to be here since Sunday afternoon. The Bruins had a a quick practice on Sunday afternoon that I wanted to be here. Wanted to try and get the lay of the land. First time I've really spent any serious time on campus with the opportunity to walk around or observe things. And uh, it was a picture-perfect day on Sunday. Uh, Probably wouldn't have been great to play on since it was so clear and bright that particular day. The complete opposite on Monday. And... New Year's Day, I think, brought the optimal outdoor hockey conditions. Overcast, um, cold enough, 30 degrees or so. And I'm just curious to see what what your observations were. I don't know how frequently you've been down here. and Just about the whole spectacle. And we'll get to the game, the game nuts and bolts in just a minute. But in terms of how they pulled this off. Well, it looks great. I mean, I you know my dad took me and some buddies to some games here. I think we saw Notre Dame play Navy, um, some other games. When I was a kid, and I, I forgot how it looked, and just where the press box is, and the whole uh, sight line at the campus. The statement was packed. Mm-hmm. It's nice of them, nice of the NHL to have this game here for our hundredth episode, and have all these people come and, and have a nice. Game. Well, that's why they did it. <clears throat> yeah, I said, well, I'm on the subject, Chris. You know, uh, podcaster is uh, just like radio theater of the mind. You know. Okay. So I want you to. I'm, I have I'm, some stuff. I'm frightened here that you're reaching into your stuff. bag by something I don't know about. I have some but stuff. That, stuff. Um, stuff. You know, I thought we could have a little fun. Let our hair down a little with episode 100. We never do that. Just, uh, if you could describe to the listeners what what's coming out of my bag here. Um, do I have? To? Uh, it's 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 a uh, it's a black hat with white lettering. This this, this kind of. This this kind of is all a tie-in with the the, the Blackhawks jerseys on the Winter Classic. Um, it's a trucker kind of baseball baseball cap with the uh, what do you call that the uh, mesh 
backside. 100 never looks so good is the lettering white on black on the on the on the baseball cap and now Scott is pulling out some uh, some 100 uh, some glasses uh, shaped in the 100 where the eye holes are the two zeros two green two blue and uh, and what exactly is is this that you brought out here this I would call a uh, centerpiece likely for a someone's 100th birthday um, there's it's a it's a thing likely out <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of fun 100 uh, numbers are kind of sticking out uh, looking at you and we'll, we'll put a picture of all this you got this through security you, you yeah you know what they um, they didn't even look in the pocket that these were in so I, I don't know how safe people feel when they go to sporting events but you have a maniac like me here no I just want to have a little fun you know it's gorgeous it really is it really is and um, I might get emotional on the drive home thinking <laughs> thinking about this um, so Go ahead, take your picture, and don't fall over while we're doing this in order to give dear Joe Romano more work to do in post. In post- you want a pair of glasses? I got four here. Sure, why not? Um, do you think he's a green or a blue guy? Ah, we'll, we'll get back to him on that. Let's let's talk. And my two cents on this were it was great, and I had the good fortune of being down in one of the corners um, as a, as the ringside reporter for WGN Radio and staying there the whole game. And you get a completely I, I was aware, but you get a because because we get down there and watch practice, you know sometimes. Uh, whether it was the old days at Johnny's Ice House or, you know, even you can get a little closer during practices at the United Center. But game action is a completely different animal, and you gain an appreciation about how fast this game is, how reactionary it has to be, especially in that third period after the Blackhawks killed off all three Boston penalties, or, or of their own penalties, Boston power plays. Boston Usually that's a momentum swing for the team that kills the penalties. Boston just kept it down in the Blackhawks end after that, continued to pressure. The ice remained tilted that way, and that was at the opposite end of where I was sitting. But getting a good look at Cam Ward and all he had to deal with, with the traffic, the pressure, the scrambling, it was unbelievable to kind of refresh my senses into how fast a game this this is, how intense it is, and how quickly you have to think on your feet and react. It, it was totally amazing down here. It's it's a different. It, the game's easy up here. It's totally different from down there. Well, actually, I thought it was fast. I heard some other people say it seemed fast, especially for an outdoor game uh, from the press box view. And I, th- I think a lot of it is, you know, I actually I was working on a certain angle for NHL.com, so I asked a lot of players. But I think, and maybe you saw, the conditions looked pretty good for this ice and um like you said there wasn't a lot of precipitation really none um it's cold that probably helped i thought i was hoping it would snow it was snowing when we were driving here that'd be kind of cool there were a couple of flurries uh during the course of the game not much and second and third first period was great second and third period as the game went on and the periods went on you know kind of the loose ice that gets uh, blown up and stops and starts that started accumulating a little bit more the rut started getting a little bit deeper the pucks weren't as easy to handle i'm sure as the second and third periods went on but uh, i thought it was a real entertaining game Uh, too bad for the final result for the blackhawks who had really been playing well leading into this one winning six of their previous seven and one of the things that helped get them there, the special teams, 
jumped up and bit him in this particular game. And Boston, which has a real good power play, was able to do some damage on that. So even the fact that the Blackhawks killed off three straight, including a five-on-three in the third period, um, just just didn't add up. They had a couple of decent chances. They were carrying five-on-five play, I thought, for the most, most of the game through the first two periods. In the end, though, Boston just got that one goal, and then they were able to hang on. Yeah, that's actually what I wrote about for NHL.com. should be up uh, by the time you listen to this, for sure, is all the penalties the Hawks took and how you know that could have been the difference, obviously, uh, with allowing two power play goals. But interesting enough, Dylan Strom kind of pointed out that maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just that the Bruins had the better power play today. You know, Hawks going 0 for 4. So, um, you know, if, if the Hawks could have got one or two it's a, it's obviously a different game so i think your your special teams just have to be better one way or the other you know, both if you can swing it when especially when cam ward uh, comes out and plays the way he did and you know is maybe a little bit a very tiny bit of a goalie controversy just in delia playing so well people thinking he might get the start to Carlton might go with the hot goalie uh but ward you know maybe it's because he's a veteran maybe it's because he already had his uh pads and helmet ordered but he played he played uh very well yeah and and i i didn't have necessarily a big problem with it. Colin Dealey is not going to play every game and I think in this infancy of his NHL career um, I think Jeremy to a certain extent wants to protect him a little bit, not throw too much at him too fast and between, between that and Cam really wanting this I think it was a good opportunity to put him in the net. I don't think Cam, I don't think Cam let him down in the least bit. I thought he played a real strong game too. Um, just to follow up on that, I actually spoke with Tony Esposito yesterday, and on this goalie situation, starting Ward over Delia at the Winter Classic, Esposito said. Um, uh, with Carlton coaching and his decision, what you do is try to work them both into the lineup and get them playing well. I think with Delia, he's trying not to overwhelm him. And part two of that would be, in other words, too many in a row, and it's it's a lot tougher to play like all the games to get up for all the games if you're either goalie. So that, it kind of just I thought it'd be interesting to ask a Hall of Fame goalie on, on how the coach is managing this situation. Although in, he, in his playing days, I'm sure he didn't feel quite the same way. No, probably because he didn't have a helmet for some of them. <laughs> and let's get to that too, not to gloss over the game itself, but I, I think we're all in agreement that the Blackhawks are playing a lot better. There's a lot of factors in which that is the case. They were able to rebound from that bad loss against San Jose, and not crazy about one against Florida, with a couple of impressive wins against Minnesota and Colorado within the division. Hey, I think the Blackhawks are something like nine, four, and three in the Central Division. They only haven't the only team they haven't beaten is Winnipeg. So it'll be interesting to see whether they can rebound right after this because they have road games. At the old Nassau Coliseum against the New York Islanders, who are playing very well. They've won four straight and seven of eight. Barry Trotz has, has turned that quote-unquote program around. And a Pittsburgh team that's been playing a whole lot better since the Blackhawks saw them a few weeks ago when they started getting traction at the start of that recent four-game homestand. But back to talking to Tony Esposito. As part of this whole Winter Classic thing, you were at the Winter Classic Park at Pritzker Pavilion in, in Millennium Park downtown. You took the family to that. Um, and you also worked as part of that, uh, to my understanding. So what was what was that whole scene like? Uh, but you were telling me before it was almost as wet as it was down here in South Bend. Yeah, it wasn't cold in the 30s. Uh, no family, a solo um, game time decision. Everyone's sick. They want, so. they want to stay away from. Oh, they're sick too. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. Um, it's 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 been rough at the King House. It's, you know, a lot of mucus. I don't. I don't. You know. 
you got you need your pipes. You see what happens when you when you don't have your pipes uh, well oiled. So I don't want to uh, I don't want to get you sick. So I'm keeping my distance. But no, it was it was cool. I was you know kind of bummed to go and and uh, not see my family for a little bit on, on New Year's Eve. Even though a lot of people had to come here who were covering the game to have to do that. But um, it was cool. The the rain didn't stop anyone from coming. They almost had five thousand. I guess forty seven hundred people came. Wow. Um, out in the rain and Esposito had hundreds of people lined up for him more than I think you'd see at the convention so really cool for the NHL to put on an event like that and alumni like uh, Esposito and, and Johnny Busick to go and had two really good sit downs with them it's I always like talking with um, older Hall of Fame guys about the game just because it's so far remo- removed from when I started watching obviously and it was so different so uh, Busick was great he's as you probably know he's the biggest forward in his day he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's like yeah nobody uh, asked him about it so I researched him I was like, yeah, no one really knows that. I was playing at about 220. <laughs> and I was like, well, how much of an advantage was that? He goes, it's a big advantage in the corners. <laughs> in terms of the speed game, not so much. But he was still a great player regardless. Let's turn back to today's game, and we'll talk about it a little bit more. But Stan Bowman had an availability on New Year's Eve. I come here on Sunday. I'm walking around the stadium, checking things out, taking some pictures, tweeting them out, and all of a sudden, an alert, a trade alert. The Blackhawks trade Brandon Manning uh, and Robin Norell, who is a Swedish defenseman playing uh, overseas. And in exchange from Edmonton, the Blackhawks get Drake Kajula and Jason Garrison. Garrison uh, was put on waivers immediately. Kajula is the main piece here. There is some salary cap relief in this as well. But Stan Bowman met the media he talks about this, but we'll play a longer stretch where he also discusses the team's performance under Jeremy Colleton. Later on, some real interesting stuff about the youth in today's game. But first and foremost, as you listen to the parts of Stan Bowman's press conference from Monday afternoon, he talked about the trade involving Brandon Manning heading to Edmonton in exchange for Drake Kajula. When the situation, you have a player that isn't playing much and you know that um, he's looking for a better opportunity, you do your best to try to um, find the situation that works and I think in this case uh, you know in particular we had talked um, quite a bit back when Drew uh, when Drake was a free agent um, I remember spending a lot of time you know we had uh, Nick Schmaltz and Luke Johnson were there at the same time so I watched Drake play quite a bit and we were one of the teams and I think it it came down to um, Chicago and Edmonton so we, we didn't get him then but we followed his progress over the last couple of years and um, I love the way he plays I think he's going to complement our team um, he's another young forward that brings a lot of energy and um, he's got uh, he's got that combination he plays pretty intense for he's a smaller guy but he, you wouldn't know it the way he plays um, yeah, obviously he was a prolific scorer in, in college so he's got the ability to, to contribute offensively but you know, he's versatile, plays wing, plays center. Um, so when we had an opportunity to, to make the deal, I thought you know, we had to take, take advantage of it. So um, you know, we wish Brandon the best there and hopefully gets an opportunity that it didn't work out here. But um, you know, for us, it made sense to, to kind of round out our forward group and, and give another option to Jeremy. And I think um, we're excited to get him here and, and see him in the, on the ice soon. Yeah. How, how difficult was that eight-game losing streak, the way everything unfolded, and where do you guys feel like you've made the most progress since under Jeremy? It's tough. When, when, you're, when you're losing game after game, I think you, everyone starts to think, like, no matter what we do, it seems like we're going to lose, you know, and I think we had, like he, Jeremy referenced, we had some tough starts there. We were, 
it seemed like no matter what we did, we tried to change everything up. We were down 2 nothing in the first period. And um, we did climb back into almost all those games, and then we, we just would find a way to lose. And I think when you're... When things aren't going your way, that's kind of how it happens. And I think when things are going your way, you, you find a way to win games when maybe you don't play your best. And um, so that, that was tough. But I think, you know, one thing is we really did stick with it. And I think um, the guys competed hard. And the, the frustration was from the lack of results. It wasn't from, um, you know, the effort. Or we, we did a lot of good things. We would do, you know, play 55 minutes of a game, and then we would find a way to lose it. So... Once we come out the other side and we win some games, I think you start to get some confidence. And I think the biggest thing now is just um, we, we look more like um, a composed team. And I think, you know, we, there was a lot changing there. When in the first few weeks, we didn't have much time to practice. And we're no different than every other team. You know, we, we, we played more games than anybody, so we had a tough schedule in terms of game after game, not a lot of practice time. And then you know, with the new coach and you know, we have some new new players came in from Rockford. So there was a whole bunch of newness at the same time, and it was just something we had to get through. So, um, you know, thankfully we're past that now, and um, we're looking forward. And, uh, you know, we, we like where we are as a team. We don't like where we are in the standings, but we like the way our team looks now. And now we, But we got to push forward. Like, we still have things we got to um, excel at. But I think now we're... We're more like the team we want to be. Stan, we've seen the results turn around under Jeremy. What have you seen about just the way he handles the job that has confirmed for you that this is the right guy you want running the team? Well, he, he, Jeremy talked a little bit about it, and you know, he credited our veteran players for kind of sticking with it. And I think you know he doesn't get enough credit for there was a lot of tough times there when he's the new guy coming in and um, – you know, he we change a few things about the way we were playing, and and you 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 start to you start to wonder how you're going to handle all that stress of not having the results. But he had a great attitude about it. He was very positive. He never got frustrated. He never doubted himself. He never doubted his coaches. You know, he just kept saying, "We're close to breaking through. We just got to stick with this." I know it's not where we want to be, but we got to stick with it. And I know this is going to turn around. And it and it did. It just took it took some time. And like I said earlier, we had a lot of games for a stretch there. It seemed like we were playing every other day, no time to really practice. And um, th- that's a hard thing for a new coach. Like most coaches go through in a training camp where you practice twenty days. You have like twenty practices. I don't know that we've had twenty practices since he took over. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure we haven't. So I think you know most of the time you have all that time to instill things you want to do and then the season starts and you don't have as much time certainly you have more practice time in october and early november but then once you get into the season you just don't have a lot of time you need uh days off and you need guys have played a lot of games to to get some rest so um that's when you can make changes and get new things ingrained in players so um it was a tall order to try to get to where we were now um, but he had a great attitude about it. You know, he was very up, upbeat. He was very encouraging to our players. And, uh, you know, I think now that we've seen the guys kind of understand how we need to play, uh, the results are coming. You were very familiar with him, obviously, when you hired him. Has there been anything since that has kind of surprised you and impressed you the way he's handled it? I don't know if I've been surprised. Uh, you know, I think I, I spent a lot of time with him last year in, when he was in Rockford and, 
I mean, it's different, obviously. The American League isn't the NHL, but it, on the other hand, it, it's it's still hockey. You're still coaching, and you, know, you still need – there's a lot of similarities to, to being a coach and how you run the team and things you need to do to get players going and um, things you need to do to get your team going. So that's translated to the NHL. Obviously, it's a bigger stage. There's, there's more media involved when you're in the NHL, so those types of things. But he's handled it really well. I mean, he's, uh, um, you know, for a young guy, he's able to, I think, put a lot of things together and, and process it quickly and um, have the conviction to, to stick with it. I think that's the thing that's impressed me the most. Your team, we talked about this a little earlier, your team is two years removed from playing its last outdoor game. The Bruins are three years removed, yet it could be 13 or 14 guys who have never played in an outdoor game on each side. What is? What do you think that says about the Blackhawks and maybe even just the trend in the league in general? Well, I, I think it's probably been talked about quite a bit that um, this is a young man's league and it, it's changing um, every year there's more and more players uh, I don't know if this is true but someone told me there's 50 teenagers in the league right now which um, you know if you would have told me that five years ago there would have been five guys under 20 in the league now it's um, there's more and more young players playing big roles on their teams I mean some teams 19 year old players are their best players so um, when that happens you know there's obviously a um, cause and effect and the guys that are moving out of the game are the older players so teams are skewing younger and when that happens it's also harder to keep teams together year after year the way the system we play under um, you know when guys do well and teams do well players get paid more and when that happens and you have a lot of guys that get paid a lot of money it doesn't all work under the cap so you have to move guys out so I think you're seeing team team compositions change it's hard to keep a group of like 12 or 15 guys together for more than one or two years and um, that's just the way the league is going and uh, you know I think you have to incorporate young players into the game and you know with the speed our game and the skill level um, you know you can see why that's happening because those guys the younger players they obviously have speed and skill in abundance I think those are the things that you know tend to wear down as you get into your 30s so um, that's probably why the league is skewing younger, and I, I think there's never been a better time to be an NHL fan. I think the product on the ice is outstanding. Um, you know, for new fans to the game to watch the game of hockey now, and you see how much these young guys—they're electrifying players, and um, it, it makes it fun to watch. Yeah, it's definitely a younger league these days, and you're seeing it on every team's roster right now, and that includes the Blackhawks, who get a little younger in that trade in, in sending Brandon Manning, albeit it's different positions with Drake Kajula coming in return as well. But Brandon Manning was a guy who um, there were some questions about whether he should have been signed in the offseason on the first day of free agency, especially with some of the other commitments that the Blackhawks had on the blue line. Uh, in a sense, uh, he had to earn his way onto the roster or at least earn his way for p- some playing time. Really had a rough start under Joe Quenville. Maybe got a little bit better as things went along. But in the end, some other Blackhawks defensemen, especially once Connor Murphy came back, some of the kids were called up, outperformed Brandon Manning. And despite the commitment that was made by Stan Bowman, I think it's real encouraging from an evaluation standpoint when working with Jeremy Colleton that Colleton right now is putting the best guys he feels out there, no matter what the salary. I know some 
you know, nasty tweet people are going to be talking about Brent Seabrook. But there's also an element that Brent Seabrook brings off the ice, and he's become uh, one of the better shot, uh, shot blockers in the league. It's something he's brought into his game while uh, to remain valuable to this roster while other parts of his game you know, may not be at the level they used to be five, seven years ago. But I, don't, I wonder if you had any general thoughts on the trade. Maybe we'll follow up with talking about Kajula and where he might fit in, too. Yeah, more so than the way the defense is shaping up now uh, around that trade and after that trade. I just think it's, it's uh, commendable. A Bowman that you look and and this is the follow up to the Schmaltz for Strom trade, which has worked out really well, not just for the Blackhawks for Arizona too. Um, so the fact that you know he has two good trades in a row and this trade wasn't just obviously to get somebody. It, regardless of the return, he was kind of righting a wrong he made in overpaying Manning, and now that contract's off the books. So uh, good trade, two good trades in a row. Yeah, and as far as Kajula is concerned, he was given opportunities. And apparently, is Connor McDavid's if not. Uh, his closest friend, one of his closest friends, and he was given opportunities over the past couple of years to be on a line with Connor McDavid where everyone else has really flourished. He didn't quite do that. Um, he's another North Dakota guy who played with Nick Schmaltz, who played with Luke Johnson um, at North Dakota as part of that 2016 National Championship team. And like Strom, like Brandon Perlini, who in this Winter Classic by far had his best game as a Blackhawk, it's one of those trades where a guy's young enough and you hope a little bit of, I hate to use the chain of, a change of scenery term, but, um, just a, a, a different start might jumpstart this guy's career from how he was regarded when coming out of college. I mean, he, uh, the Blackhawks were interested in him, in him along with the Oilers. The Oilers won that bidding war, if you will, coming out of North Dakota and, now we'll see what the Blackhawks coaching staff can do with a guy like Ajula. Hopefully, you know, it can have the kind of effect that it's had on, on Dylan Strom as well uh, here in the early going. I had a chance also to uh, catch up with the commish, uh, Gary Bettman. And one thing you have to understand when you talk with Gary Bettman is that uh, no matter the question, he's going to stand firm on his belief on things and he'll have his answers ready that uh, shouldn't prevent people from asking questions that probably need to be asked but uh, I spent had a chance to spend about three or four minutes with Gary before the Winter Classic game here in South Bend on Tuesday and we touched on a couple of things about competitive balance in the league right now um, about the Olympics, about the salary cap about the decision to go into a partnership with MGM on gambling. But for these purposes, the conversation started with the Blackhawks. Him probably hearing, oh yeah, it's the Blackhawks in another outdoor game, in another winter classic. And, you know, how he reacts to that. And in a sense, it's it's kind of the presence and the example and the impact that this Blackhawks franchise has had over the past decade and earning those opportunities to be on this kind of stage. This franchise's emergence or reemergence has been absolutely phenomenal. It's a testament to Rocky Wirtz and John McDonough. Uh, the fan base is completely energized and as important as the success they've had on the ice, organizationally they couldn't have been more cooperative. Anything 
anything they ask of us, we do, and they ask a lot, but anything we ask them to do, they step right up and do it. When this thing all began 11 years ago in Buffalo, what was the uncertainty factor in terms of, all right, we're going to try this, we're going to throw it out there? Could you ever envision the venues and the popularity it is today? Well, when we tried this initially, we were curious as to whether or not we could sell 70,000 tickets, and I think we did that in 18 minutes, and then obviously this is the ultimate reality show because we're weather dependent. If this game were scheduled for yesterday, it would have been a disaster. Keep my fingers crossed, we've been very fortunate that the weather has cooperated. What's been your level of satisfaction with the, the balance in the league right now as it is? We have incredible competitive balance. I mean, the Blackhawks are a great example of it. You win three Stanley Cups. You go through a period of time that's a little more challenging, although the team's playing much better now. Uh, every game in the regular season matters. We have teams that are going to make the playoffs by a point or two, and by the same token, teams are going to miss it by a point or two. Uh, no matter who you root for when our season starts, you know that every game matters and your team has a shot and once the playoffs begin anything can happen. You've had regular salary cap increases by about two million dollars per year over the course of the last five years. Um, you recently said right now it looks as though it could be a four million dollar bump for 19 and 20. Uh, what would that say about uh, you know the where the league is right now? Well the league revenues keep growing. Um, I know there have been a lot of reports that somehow question that, but revenues have been growing consistently over the last dozen or so years. Uh, and again, that's a testament to the strength of the game. The interesting element to this is if we keep the cap down, the escrow stays down. And so we have to have a dialogue on a regular basis with the Players Association as to which they'd prefer, a higher cap with a higher revenue or a lower cap with lower revenues. But all in all, it's a testament to the fact that revenues are growing. For those teams that had the wherewithal and the financial ability to throw as much money as they wanted to players in order to keep them, was there ever any serious consideration of, of a luxury tax like you have in uh, a baseball or a basketball? No, I'm not a believer in that. I don't think it preserves the competitive balance that's so essential to how healthy our game is. Uh, I'm just not a believer in it. I think the system we have now works extraordinarily well, and what takes place on the ice every night is a testament to that. Do you ever envision the league going back to the Olympics, uh, even if it's outside of North America? It's not anything we're focused on right now. Uh, I don't think we missed anything by not being in South Korea, and we had a great season. So, I mean, there's a lot of talk about it, but it is incredibly disruptive to our season. Once the Supreme Court uh, earlier this year decided to, to go ahead and make gambling legal once again, how important was, was for you to align with MGM and create the relationship you did in terms of supplying data for those purposes in order to stay ahead of this and, and be a part of it as well? Actually, once the Supreme Court ruled, we only had one choice, yeah. and that was to embrace the change. Whether or not we were fans of sports betting was no longer the issue. It was going to be a fact of life, and we had to make sure we were positioned to focus on it and deal with it, both for our game and for, as important importantly, if not more importantly, for our fans. Finally, what can you say about uh, the way South Bend has, has hosted uh, this event uh, with in terms of having two original six teams come together in another iconic venue? Uh, this venue is fabulous, but is important. Notre Dame has made us feel very welcomed here. Uh, the organizational support that we got 
from everybody here at Notre Dame from the university has been nothing short of incredible, and we're grateful to be here to celebrate the start of another year. Have fun. Gary, thanks for doing this. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Great to be with you. Then during the game, Gary announced during the second intermission where the next four, uh, three outdoor games and the next All-Star game will be taking place down the road. And the next Winter Classic is going to be taking place at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. An opponent for the Stars has not been named. He also mentioned uh, two other games. The 2019 Heritage Classic in Canada will be held on October 26th in Regina. Maybe Akeem Hicks, the University of Regina graduate or product, will drop the ceremonial first puck. I'm not sure, like Tim Brown did here on Tuesday. Calgary versus Winnipeg in that outdoor game. And then a stadium series game, February of 2020, which will take place at Falcon Stadium in Colorado Springs at Air Force's football field. Uh, Colorado will be taking on a team to be determined. He also announced that the 2020 All-Star game, well, our All-Star weekend will take place in St. Louis. Driving distances for all of us, so uh, we, we expect to be uh, sent on that particular weekend in January down to St. Louis. One other thing I want to touch on before we we wrap up here is the Blackhawks future some encouraging signs taking place at the World Junior Championships does this mean all these players are going to end up being great players for the Blackhawks of course not but when you see their 2018 fourth round pick Philip Kurashev lead the tournament with five goals or share the lead in the tournament with Ryan Paling of the U.S. with five goals through the first four games He helped his team, or really was the main factor in his Swiss team advancing to the quarterfinals against Sweden, where he'll face Adam Boquist, and the number eight overall pick from this last June, the same draft class as Kurashev, ends up scoring the game-winning goal in that wild game against the United States when Sweden blew a 4-0 lead with 10 minutes to go. U.S. forced overtime, and then Boquist nails the game winner to give Sweden the victory and uh, really the top team throughout the uh, round-robin portion of the tournament. For Canada, you have Mackenzie Entwistle, acquired in the host of Hinestroza trade, uh, a draft pick last year, or two years ago, I should say by now, of Arizona. Three goals for Team Canada. Ian Mitchell continued to providing steady leadership defense on the blue line for Canada. He's added two assists. And Canada will be playing Finland. And Henry Yoki Haru, who finally got on the score sheet here late in the opening round games. Uh, Henry with a goal and two assists so far for Finland as uh, they head to that quarterfinal matchup. And it's the U.S. and the Czech Republic. Uh, the U.S. is... Hawks tie. Evan Barrett scored the game-winning goal in their very first game uh, midway through the third period. He's been quiet on the score sheet since, and they'll be taking on the Czech Republic, which features uh, their captain, defenseman Jacob Galvis, who was a fifth or sixth round pick a couple of years ago from the Blackhawks. So those three quarterfinal games, the others, other being uh, Russia versus Slovakia, should... Uh, provide Blackhawks fans with something to keep an eye on with their prospects uh, down the pipe. And it's, it's very encouraging news. You'd rather see this than guys go unnoticed during this entire tournament. Yeah, they all got on the board right away, right? Yeah. All, all those guys right got on a score sheet right away. I think Yokoharu was the last guy. I think it was maybe the next day yeah. after everyone else. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they've been impressive in the World Juniors. So uh, we'll keep our eyes on that. It's always a fun tournament to watch. And as we uh, wrap up Episode 100, still staring at these... Sparkly 100 glasses. The when, when it, can you expense this stuff? I'm uh, gonna try. I'm yeah. going to email Todd Hanley. 
Well, I, I thought the the podcast was separate, and you, you have your own expense account that you have to approve by what you purchase. No, um, if you're referring to my budget of two million dollars, uh, yes. Wait, what? Uh, anyways, <laughs> and I'm I am I'm quite moved by the uh, the sparkly 100 flower pot or whatever it is. So Christmas occurred before all you guys got sick, right? Is that the reason you guys got? Sick? I think we were sick before Christmas. Sick since Christmas. <laughs> Isn't is that, is, is that a is, yeah, is that a new movie with like Vince Vaughn or Will Ferrell? Uh, Nicholas Cage. It's a, he meets a woman. And they're both sick. So did everything go well? Were, were, the, were the kids happy? Did it affect your appetite at the dinner table? Uh, everyone was thrilled. Kids did great. Got too many presents. Right. Uh, trying to put them uh, in the basement storage room now and, and take them out one at a time for them to enjoy. Okay. How were you? Did your guys have a nice? It was yeah. Christmas? It was it was uh, it was good and well. Went downstate to see my mom on on Christmas Eve and uh, my brother and sister as well. And then and then my wife's side of the family all gathered under one roof and uh, we ate and ate and. Eight and eight and eight. So you threw everyone out, and you sent me a, a nice uh, Yankees uh, media article. That I sent actually, to my I sent to my dad, and he really liked it too. Actually, get this: I was re- it was such a nice day on Christmas. Yeah. I went for a walk, and while I was walking, I had this article stashed away, literally ripped out of Sports Illustrated oh, wow. back in September, which was an article on the nineteen seventy eight season when the Yankees came from fourteen back, and how it how it. Uh, you know, part of the reason they may have had that comeback was the fact that the newspapers were on strike and what, uh, how, how the Yankees were like the epicenter of the New York media after winning the World Series in 77, having the star studded roster and how just having four dailies around them every day just wore that team down. And it was so controversial to begin in the first place. When the newspapers would write about it, it became even more <laughs> of a blown up story. And it was, it was really cool because it brought back a lot of memories too of that year and a lot of old baseball names that I remember. Your Bucky Dents, your Roy Whites, you know, your Jim Rices and things like that. And it was a really cool article. If any of you have the, uh, are able to look it up, it's called 14 Back. Published by Sports Illustrated, I believe, back back in September as part of the anniversary of how the Yankees came back and then won the one-game playoff, the Bucky Dent game. A lot of good Yankees fans. Really, like, big picture, though, on what's happened in newspapers and media right. now, how much how different it is mm-hmm. hey, with some good numbers that kind of indicate that. We, we don't we don't go out and drink at bars with players or anything like that in free time, nor do, nor do they want to give us rides to... Uh, <laughs> to prohibited. <laughs> prohibited these days. Right. So any final thoughts here? Uh, I, I know it's an emotional day for you in terms of this 100 100th, uh, 100th podcast. I think my re- New Year's resolution is not going to be say in terms of as much on, our, on my future podcast when I go back and listen to it. But uh, any any final thoughts here? I'm not sure if you're getting choked up from your co- from your from from your cold or from or from this this very emotional moment. No, I got all my crying done on the way here uh, when Dietz was in the car because he made us late. Uh, Are you driving and crying? I was driving and crying. He had to hold Kleenex for me. No, uh, a couple of thank yous. I want to thank uh, you, obviously, Chris, for coming on board when uh, you know Mike Jacobson left and you came in. I, and I knew you were busy with pre and post, and ah. was already glad to have you there. And then you were willing to do this. So it's been a lot of fun with you and thanks to Joe Romano for always helping us out and Mike Jacobson um, he did over he did over the 50 episodes I know I remember we had Bickle call in for our 50th episode I, he must have done like 
I don't know, 60 or maybe 70 or something. So I like still that. have to catch up here. You have to catch up to him. You're lagging. But he was a huge part of the show and helped me out a lot. And uh, Stephanie and Todd, everyone at WGN. It's been a lot of fun. It's just started as a little uh, blog and Facebook page. And now I'm, uh, you know, here, the Winter Classic with you doing this. So it's uh, very cool. Here we go. It's yeah, it, it, The stars align. Number 100 right. at, the, at the Winter Classic on January 1st of 2019. We haven't even discussed when our next one will come, but I'm sure there will be one coming up at some point next week when hopefully uh, Scott is healthy and I've remained healthy from being in your presence here. <laughs> but we all we want to wish you all of you a very uh, happy new year. Hopefully it was happy and safe coming in to January 1st. Uh, and uh, good health, wishes for good health throughout uh, the upcoming year. We also wish that you would continue uh, to join us, listening to our Blackhawks Crazy podcast here. We do it weekly during the season. We try and do it, you know, monthly or so during the off season. We try to keep that rolling, and we appreciate all of you listening. You can follow along on the Blackhawks Crazy Facebook page at facebook.com slash Blackhawks Crazy. Follow Scott and I on Twitter. Scott's at, at Scott King Media. I'm at, at Bowden Tweets. And we also encourage you to subscribe on iTunes. This way you'll have the podcast ready for you whenever we have a fresh one available. I'll be waiting for you, and, and uh, feel free to leave a review as well. The input helps us, too. Another thanks to Joe Romano. Happy New Year to him for pasting this all together. And we'll see what the New Year brings for the Blackhawks after going into it with a nice little stretch. A little bit of a disappointment here on New Year's Day in the Winter Classic, falling 4-2 to Boston. A couple of tough games. Hey, they're all tough right now when you're sitting there at 15-21-6. But... I think right now we're at the stage where you're looking for some gradual improvement. We've been seeing that over the last couple of weeks. And uh, let's see if they find a way to manage that to continue. For Scott King, I'm Chris Bowden. Thanks a bunch for listening. Happy New Year, everyone. We'll talk to you again next week.